The last few years have seen tons of advances in how buyers search for homes online. But renters, that's a completely different story. Today, 40% of Americans rent their homes, and many of them feel like second-class citizens when it comes to finding a place to live. But for Sarah Jones and Zach Shabot of Bamboo Realty, renters come first. While others have dismissed the rental market, Bamboo Realty has figured out not only a way to profit, but to turn those renters into future buyers and raving fans. Bamboo Realty has expanded to include five offices in Texas, Colorado, and North Carolina, and Bamboo's success is no accident. It's the result of a thoughtful culture and a keen understanding of how millennials think about home ownership. In this interview, Sarah and Zach discuss what it takes to build a company with a strong, effective culture and why the secret to connecting with folks online is just to lighten up. Hi, this is Tom Flanagan. This is Stacy Stab from Live Urban Real Estate. Hi, I'm Sarah Jones from Bamboo Realty. And I'm Zach Shabbat, and you're listening to the Marketing Genius Podcast. Welcome to the Marketing Genius Podcast, where we take you behind the scenes with the most brilliant real estate professionals and brands to uncover the latest digital marketing tools and tricks for your online arsenal. Now, here are your hosts, Seth Price and Matt Barbet. Hey guys, thanks so much for joining the show. I am big fans of both of you. Uh, first, it was separate, and now that you guys have decided to work together at Bamboo Realty, it's together. So this is um, a real treat for me. I would love if you would start by telling us a little bit about Bamboo Realty and sort of what sets you guys apart. Because I really think that you guys are very distinctive in the way in which you approach the industry but also in how you communicate internally with your team. So I'd love to hear a little bit about that. Sure. I will jump in on the history of Bamboo, and then I'll let maybe Zach take over the part about how we communicate internally. Um, Bamboo Realty, we focus on rentals primarily. Uh, we have offices in Houston, Dallas, Denver, and recently opened Raleigh, North Carolina. Uh, because we target rentals, a lot of our business is millennials. Uh, and so what we find is renters eventually become the first time home buyers. And so we're coming at the market from a completely different standpoint uh, as more traditional brokerages are. And Zach? Yeah, I, I loved it. I mean, ever since I joined Bamboo, I just realized that not only are we working with millennials, but we're recruiting new agents to the business, uh, which I've always loved is how do we bring new, young, talented people into real estate? Um, and we figured it out. And, you know, along with that comes the challenge of those people communicate very differently than maybe your traditional agent with 30 years experience. Um, and so we've developed some internal communication. We're, we're big on Yammer and we use Yammer. Um, everybody uses it every day uh, to communicate both within each of the offices and then across the offices. It's, I love sharing ideas across all of our cities. Uh, and then something we started recently was uh, the beeline. So every Thursday night we do a sort of a video call where everybody jumps on and we share stories and successes and give agents some tips and training. And 
um, you know, it, it's been a blast and any kind of new crazy idea that we come up with, our agents are just, they're on board. They love trying it. So it's that's, been great. That's fantastic. And Yammer for folks that don't know it is sort of like Slack or Messenger or HipChat or any of those you know, sort of group and private messaging tools, which is really helpful for a company to communicate. Um, I'd like to dive in on something that I just thought was fantastic when I had found out about it, which was you focus when someone is just experiencing real estate, which is that rental stage. And you do something that I think is really unique is you provide great service. Like I look at your reviews on Yelp, which also is unique that you use Yelp and on Google and they're through the roof. Like, so tell me, walk me through that. How did you, how did you decide that rentals were your, you know, entry point into creating a relationship? I think anytime you approach a business, you have to take a step back and really look at what are the opportunities, who are the players, and where is there a gaping hole in the market? Uh, We started in Houston, and when we looked around, there was not anybody doing a good job serving renters. Houston is a big relocation market. People come from all over the world for work uh, in the oil industry, healthcare industry, and they come and they don't necessarily intend to buy especially not right away. And yet there were very few services offered for renters. The services that were available were not five stars. And I said, there's not a reason that you can't offer the same five star service to relocating renters as you might to relocating home buyers. And so we really worked on, you know, rolling out a relocation program for relocating renters and have had a lot of success. And so the reviews that you see online are a reflection of how seriously we take five-star service. It's something that we talk about very often internally and externally. I think that people, you know, looking for rentals should elevate their expectations uh, and expect more from real estate agents when it comes to rental service. So that is really important to us giving five-star service. And then of course, you know, gathering feedback from clients is certainly helpful in you know, promoting your business to other people in the future as well. And how long did it take you to sort of get the next iteration. Hey, I've rented or I've rented twice and now I'm a first time home buyer. What's that life cycle like? Uh, we find that that life cycle is in the range of 18 to 24 months. Oh, wow. Uh, so it's actually a little bit faster than we first anticipated. Yeah. And- when we started the company, you know, we started as a rentals first company and we are still a rentals first company. I think what the tendency is, is, is once people get wrapped up with a few buyers, they sort of say, I don't need to do that anymore. And so we're making it really clear um, that we will always be a rentals first company and that our clients being millennials, you know, the addition of buyer's agent service is really just you know, serving our clients well. It's not necessarily going after a new niche. Um, and Zach, you probably have something to add there as well. Yeah, I think it's fascinating. Again, I go back to the new agent thing and I look at a new agent starting in this business and the attrition rate for real estate agents in the first year is just awful. I mean, people try it for a couple months and then they fall out because they either don't get a sale or whatever. You, you know, even if you get a, even if you sell a house on your very first day, you may not get paid on that house for 45 or 60 days. And these are young people who are getting, you know, they're used to getting paid every two weeks. Yeah. But if you think about it, um, we've done, it's a shorter transaction cycle. So agents, if they're doing eight to 10 leases a month, they're getting paid more often. And what happens is they're building their own client base. And so you've got an agent who may be 25 or 26 years old 
been in the business two years and now they have 200 clients, they are building a serious book of business that some agents would take 10 to 15 years to do in sales. And so, you know, what we're doing is we're just giving a, an intro into the real estate industry where most people will just neglect renters altogether. We're just, we're harnessing that we're treating them like royalty and it's really turned out great. You know, I think about it from my own renting days, those, you know, that was a long time ago, but even with, um, I have two sort of older boys and they are now in the rental market and getting anyone to pay attention to them is really difficult. They, I mean, my oldest son, he's 22. He said, I feel like I'm a third class citizen because I've got (laughs) some money to rent an apartment, but people are treating me like I'm a criminal or they just ignore me. (laughs) It's really fascinating. I mean, I think one of the things that I think is from a business sense that resonated with me so much is the idea is it's so hard to build relationship with millennials if we do the traditional route. Like we got to wait for them to buy a house. So that's not going to happen for a while. And then once they decide to buy a house, there's lots of options. But how do you start a relationship long before they're ready to do that transaction and really solidify some value? This like really resonates. Um, I, Zach, I want to switch to something that you may have had something to do with, which is this, oh uh, <laughs> this recent hackathon that you guys uh, yeah. did. Um, is that, tell me about that. So we came up with this crazy idea. So, you know, doing a little bit of work in software, I, I heard about hackathons and, and a hackathon for people who don't know is sort of a 24 hour binge working session. Uh, Facebook does them, Google does them. They're, they're typically done in a lot of the technology companies. But Sarah and I had all these projects that we wanted to complete. We wanted agent input. We wanted their buy-in. And we, I mean, frankly, we wanted a sort of a team building exercise. And so we said, you know, why don't we take this idea of a hackathon? Let's get all the agents together. Let's put them in one place for 24 hours and let's knock out these projects. Um, so we, we did, we, we got everyone together. Uh, we organized in teams of four or five agents um, we hooked them up with graphic designers and these are not just technology projects. So they were, uh, marketing projects and communication stuff, anything that we wanted to do for the agents. Um, we, you know, we brought everyone together. We had help from graphic designers. Uh, we got them food and drinks and, um, we did it at a, um, an incubator space. It was a local, uh, place called start Houston where it's for startup companies. And so there was just this great energy around, Um, and we knocked out five projects in 24 hours. Um, you know, we got the agents buy-in on all of them. We launched the projects, which think about how many agents work at companies where somebody will say, Hey, we really want your input. And then they disregard it and never do anything with it. We don't want to treat our agents better than that. You know, it's just, there's a better way to do it. And so to give you an example, Seth, this is ridiculous. We had agents fly in from Denver start the hackathon at two o'clock, stay up. And at two o'clock the next day left for the airport to go home. That's crazy. It was amazing. It was amazing to watch the, how fired up everybody was. And, um, it was, it was such a fun event. We're just, we can't wait to do another one. I mean, it was, it's exhausting, but so much fun. And, and what types of 
things just to give someone some context. Like I know of hackathons in the engineering space, um, and I know the types of things that you would do, but I'm not familiar in this space, which seems ingenious to me. Well, I'll just talk about maybe a couple of the projects that we did to help your listeners maybe jog their creative juices a little bit. Uh, one of the tech projects we tackled was an emoji marketing campaign, something that would be rolled out to millennials to capitalize on the use of emoji. And what the team did was put together a mobile only website that is accessible um, using emoji. It's actually um, smileyfacehouse.ws. <laughs> awesome. It's over to a, a you know to a website that talks about you know how frustrating it can be to find a home. So that's one of the projects that we did. Uh, we also our Denver team you know new marijuana le- legislation out there. They get a lot of questions about it, and so we wanted to put something in their hands that they could use uh, with their clients who were asking about you know what were the marijuana. Um, you know, unspoken rules of etiquette. And so we put together something that we called the guide to ganja uh, and it's available online. And then we're working on the print version of that as well. So those were two of the five projects that we, we got to capital was that emoji marketing campaign. And then the guide to ganja. And you guys did those in 24 hours. Yes. That is fantastic. I love that. So I saw the guide to ganja and I just thought it was the most like stellar thing, especially for the Denver market, right? That's the center of the world. And it's also, I mean, the thing I want to commend you guys on, it's really brave in a certain sense, because some people, I mean, there's such a sort of concern about PC perception, which I understand to a certain extent, but you guys understand your audience and no one's really going to be freaked out that you help create this and the, and the piece is beautiful. I think you guys did a great job on that. Yeah. And I think that was the thing that came out of this from our Denver team was everyone's talking about it. It's, it. There's nothing new. It's kind of, they're over the novelty of it. And now they just, they really needed something that was well done to talk about it yeah. for the, for the rest of the country. It may still be a taboo subject for them there. It's like, no way we need it. We yeah. need it. And, and you're right. It showed the clients, Hey, we speak your language, yeah. you know? So, uh, between that and the emoji, we really, really, you know, we kind of went for it, but yeah, I mean, start to finish, they developed it in 24 hours, which is, you know, bizarre. Awesome. I, that leads me to something that seems to sort of emanate from you guys, which is branding and culture seem really important, um, in many ways more important than transaction. So when I look at your, your presence online, you, you seem like you have a real sense of who you are and where you want to fit into the market. Like, how did that come about? Like, I, I don't imagine you just woke up one day and you're like, I'm, I'm going to be this. Like, what, what was the process there? Yeah, I think that actually goes back to the roots of our company. And, you know, when we were first founded and just, you know, sitting around the table asking ourselves, who do we want to be? And a conversation was struck up, um, my husband, Brian and I are are founders of the firm and we were seated across the table from another couple couple that we were pondering going into business with. And the question came up of, you know, why do you want to go into business for yourself? And, um, the person across the table answered the question, you know, he, he owed it to himself because he had accomplished these things along the way. And, um, you know, 
did this university training and came out of West Point and, and this was the next logical step for him, which is a perfectly valid reason uh, for somebody to take the step to start a company. But we sat back and we answered the question uh, because we don't want to play in the sandbox by ourselves. Yeah. Uh, and so that one line probably formed a foundation of a relationship first company. And it plays out in the relationships we build with our agents and the relationships that we build with our clients. And it's so important for me as the broker, you know, to understand who I'm sitting at the table with and really value them as a person. And I think that, that that's something that permeates throughout the whole company. And, you know, there's a lot of folks out there who say that, you know, they're friends with their colleagues, but when you see it played out every single day in a, in a space, then it's very, very, you know, unique, I think in the industry. Yeah. Uh, so that it's that sandbox mentality and we still, you know, use it sort of as a mantra today. So Zach, you're not a newcomer, newcomer to focusing on culture first. So you had started Go Realty a while ago and then you joined up with Sarah Tell me what your philosophy is, because it's it seems super strong, uh, you know, so much so that you you helped grow something that's really significant and you're you're participating in another one. So I want to know what you think. <laughs> I mean, it's to me, it's more important than anything. The the culture, it embodies who you want to work with, who how how you want to work with them, where you want to work with them. And, you know, when the, the cool thing that a lot of people didn't see is when, when I helped to start go and we had these big, beautiful offices and all this stuff. And we got a lot of, a lot of press for that. But what people don't realize is the agents that we had working with us, they would sit on the floor in the hallway. I mean, they don't, they didn't need it. They didn't need that kind of stuff. And it's, it's that kind of environment that I think we've created at bamboo as well. I mean, how many agents would, you know, would go, travel and lock themselves in the same place for 24 hours. Not many. Right. Yeah. yeah. And so, you know, if <laughs> it sounds funny, but the, the kind of the measure for me is, okay, the first question is, would anyone else in their right mind do this? And if the answer was no, then it's like, okay, well, let's take a look at it. And then the second thing is, <laughs> you know, is it cool or is it lame? Yeah. And if, if stuff is lame, then you're like, why bother? Like, just because something makes sense on paper doesn't mean you have to do it. Yeah. Um, all the coolest stuff that I've ever done, it didn't make sense on a spreadsheet. So I think the nice part is Sarah has let me do a lot of that stuff. <laughs> and I awesome. love that we're able to do it. You know, Go is going to be a powerhouse here in North Carolina in, in the triangle. And I wanted to try to pull this off on a bigger scale. And I think that's what we're doing. That's fantastic. Sarah, you've spoken a lot about culture when you, you know, speak publicly, you know, how do you think about helping other folks, you know, get through that process? Because, you know, imagine lots of folks are already in established organizations or they're in small brokerages that, you know, don't have a real sense of self yet, at least we might say that. And I don't mean any disrespect to anyone, but that's true. We all can acknowledge that. How do you advise them? What do you tell them? You know, I think that it's sitting down and really having an honest conversation about who you are today and then where you want to go. And you mentioned a lot of firms that don't necessarily have an identity. And I think it's because they they haven't yet had that honest conversation about what are we good at? Where should we be playing? And then eliminating all the distraction. 
And when you do that and you can really focus on your core of who you are, I think the culture naturally evolves from that. And I think that culture flows two ways. It certainly flows from the top down, but it also flows from every single person that works at your firm. And so if you've got a bad apple in there, it doesn't take very long at all for that person to, to spread their negative energy. And you know, it's, I'm not perfect in hiring. Um, and I'm getting better at it, but I am getting faster at realizing when somebody's not a fit and doing something about it. And so if you're, you know, an owner of a brokerage and you have that honest conversation and you know who you are and where you're going, you can identify who's not fit for your business model and not a fit for your culture. And the faster you say goodbye to that person, the better off your firm's going to be in the long run. Do you find that that's hard, even if someone's a high GCI earner? To, to let go of them or like, how do, how do you do the equation? Cause I, you know, there's, there is some part of it where, you know, finance comes into play and yet there's the battle of culture. Yeah. I think, um, if you are truly culture first, then the decision is made for you because if everybody in your firm knows how important culture is and that bad apple stays, they're going to call you out on it. Yeah. Uh, and so recently, very recently, actually, we let one of our top producing agents go because they just didn't jive with, uh, other individuals in the office. And it, you know, on paper, it didn't make sense to let one of your top three producers go, but in the office, you know, the results that happen afterward and seeing how much better the team meshes, nobody's complaining anymore. And it it just works better. And we've made up the dollars in other ways. And so you really just have to take a leap of faith. And this isn't just a message I would, that I carry. I think you could ask anybody who says culture first, that they will give you the same advice. Get rid of the bad apples fast. Yeah. I would, I would say that even if you don't say culture first, if you live through a bad apple, it is so painful and so debilitating to the other players on your team that you're losing money someplace. Yeah. Um, so Zach, you also speak and your, your topics are somewhat different. And I'd love for you to talk a little bit about how you give advice to individuals, because I think there are lots of individual agents out there that are trying to figure out, Hey, I already work for a large franchise. I'm not maybe looking to move, but I want to differentiate myself. What, what would you tell me? (laughs) <laughs> well, the first thing I tell everyone is to lighten up. Um, and that's the one thing I, I know it sounds really silly, but, um, you know, in your emails, in your conversations and what you post online, you got to lighten up because everyone who there's always someone who will be more formal than you. There's always someone who's done, you know, more business than you and won more awards than you. But if you can let a little bit of your personality show, then you will be happier you will have more business and you'll attract the type of clients that you enjoy working with. So that's one of the things is just, I, you got to lighten up. Um, but the other thing is I've, I've been fortunate that I've been involved in some startup companies and startup companies act very, very differently. Um, the, one of the, the big things is, is they're doers. They do stuff, they try stuff, they fail and they fail fast. And you know, I, a lot of agents ask me, well, I have this idea what do you think about it? And before they even tell me, I'm just kind of like, try it. Like, d- stop asking people for advice. Just try it. And you'll learn more by trying and either succeeding or trying and failing. But, you know, a lot of agents are just scared to take that leap of faith. And so um, I, when I speak, a lot of what I do is share some of the things that we've tried, some that have worked and some that haven't. 
hopefully what that does is shows agents, okay, this guy tried it. He's still up here. He's still, you know, doing great. So I'm okay trying some crazy idea that I had too. Yeah. You know, when I think about that, I think about there, there's so many opportunities to differentiate oneself and there's a lot of cookie cutterism in the real estate space, you know, cars with your headshot and the, and the number one thing, which I still right. see when I go to conferences, which just amazes me. Um, right. what, you know, let's talk about strategy for a second. What do you think about, like, this is all well and good. I get it. I'm, we're going to focus on culture and we're going to focus on like, you know, picking the things that we think are going to separate ourselves. How do you, how do you implement that? You know, I think Zach made a really good point about small firms and entrepreneurs and just being a risk taker and saying, I'm willing to try that. Um, I've never been afraid to fail. And uh, I, I think that our firm, how quickly we, we do things and roll stuff out is, is probably a reflection of my own risk taking mantra. You know, if I fail, who cares? Yeah. Um, if I fail, I'll step back and try something else. Uh, and so I, I just think that that's a, a good way to do it. And I, and I also think really understanding what you're good at, you know, I don't, somebody said very early on, you know, Jack of all trades is master of none. And I think it's true in real estate. I had two mentors my first year, unofficial mentors. One tell me you should try everything because what if you like it? And then somebody says, when you know what you're good at, say no to everything else. And it didn't take me even 90 days to realize which one was more successful. <laughs> Uh, and so you really do, you need a niche. And I find that the, the longer people are in this industry, the more refined their niche is and the smaller their, their geographical market or what they specialize in just becomes even more specialized. And so I really encourage people to just, you know, figure out who they are, what they're good at, what the market needs and just dive in, take a risk and don't give up in one day. You know, nothing, nothing is a win overnight. So those those few things. And Seth, can I just add to that? One of the things that I, I have, if, if there's anyone who's listening, who is leading an office or managing or owner of an office is it's okay to see, to let your agent see you fail. I think that's so important that, you know, as leaders, we always want to feel like we're on top of our game and we're, you know, we, we can't lose, we're untouchable, but I think agents really appreciate it when they see you try something and they see you fail and you see how easily you can come back from that. I think that's just as important as showing them, you know, all your your strength and courage because um, a lot of times people, you know, people's complaint about Sarah is that she's too perfect and they and <laughs> she hides it all in, you know. It's like the agents they're like we just want to see her not do well at something. They're like she's good at everything. You know, but I think that's a great message cuz it, is it's okay to let people see that. Yeah. And I think it it goes a long way. It's allowing people to see, I mean, Sarah, I know you, so I know you're human. Um, (laughs) but I think, you know, it sort of expands into being human everywhere. And part of being human is, you know, we all fail. Like if someone doesn't, I don't think they're, they're telling the truth or not trying hard enough. Yeah, maybe not. (laughs) Maybe not. Um, so tell me about your team. How big is your team now? Uh, you know, we've got about 40 agents. Um, I I should know the exact number. No, that's fine. (laughs) I never wanted to be the person who's like, congratulations, your number agent 41. Yeah. 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 Um, so once we crossed, you know, about 30, I started saying 30 something and, you know, we're probably close to 40 something now. Um, 
Uh, and you know, we're spread out across three offices. So Houston's our oldest office and Houston, uh, Raleigh's our newest office. So, you know, Zach is preparing to make his, his first hire or two out there. Awesome. Uh, but it's, it's, you know, we're, we're still a small and growing firm and, uh, we've had a lot of people ask recently, you know, about franchising or opening offices. And I think what we're sort of doing is sitting back now and saying, you know, what is the suite of tools that would, we would offer to somebody that was thinking about franchising and, yeah. um, you know, getting some things in place really before we grow faster. Um, I think whenever you grow, you kind of grow and then stabilize and grow and stabilize. And right now we sort of seem to be in this like stabilize you know, get ready to grow big kind of a, a time. That's great. And when you are looking to add folks to the team, you know, who are you, who are you looking for? Who's going to be a good fit? You know, I, I hire for diversity a lot of times. If somebody is, you know, interviewing with me and I, in conversation with them, think to myself, we don't have anybody like you at the firm. I'll probably make that hire because I think a, a more well-rounded team um, does well. A question that I asked often in interviews is, you know, tell me about a success that you've had in your life, uh, whether real estate oriented or not. I think people that have achieved something or been successful in an area, whether school or sports, you know, those are people that are very likely to be successful in real estate. And if you're interviewing someone who can't point to a success or something that they've worked hard for, then, you know, they probably won't be good at it. Um, we find that, that moms are extremely good real estate agents. Uh, so a big chunk of our uh, population at bamboo is, is moms. Uh, we also are relatively young compared to most real estate companies. Our average age is just 32. Um, we span from 22 to, you know, 54, which is a pretty, pretty big range, but, um, yeah, I mean, really it's that diversity and, you know, tell me about a success that you've had. And, um, also, you know, do you understand our business model? You know, we don't hire people that want to try commercial real estate. We don't hire people that want to, um, you know, build new construction sales in the suburbs. It's just not what we do well. Uh, so we really kind of look for those, those types of things. And Zach, you've done a lot of, uh, recruiting. And so I'd love to hear what's your, what do you look for? (laughs) Well, I'll tell you what I'm going to be looking for in Raleigh is someone crazy enough to join a new company. I mean, at some (laughs) point that is a very different person than the person who has the well-established office and the book of business and all that stuff. I mean, you know, it is a little bit of a risk when you join a new company and I say new, I mean, bamboo is not new, but in Raleigh, you know, I mean, we're, we're starting from scratch and, and someone who's crazy enough to do it, they may not work out forever. Um, but they may be the exact person that we need right now. Yeah. Um, and so <laughs> at some point you just take the person that's going to say yes. That's awesome. Um, I want to switch gears and talk a little bit about, um, I'll say marketing online, but I really want to focus on social. You guys are both, um, two folks that I think have very distinct styles they're very different when I see you online and engaging with folks, but they're very real. And I'd love to hear how you approach social and if there's a specific strategy or you're just, you are you and sort of a, it's an extension. So I'd love to hear what you think there. Um, I'll answer this first and then I'm sure Zach will have something incredible to say after me. Uh, (laughs) um, you know, social media, I think, you know, you nailed it on the head. I, I say that, you know, I am who I am on, on social as well as I am in real life and people see my successes and they see my struggles. And, 
Um, you know, I think, I think that it is, it's an extension of me. A question I get often from new agents is, should I have a business profile and should I have a personal profile? And I ask them, you know, when are you not a realtor or what would you post to your personal profile that is so offensive? Somebody would or wouldn't want to do business with you. Um, because people ultimately do business with someone they have something in common with or someone that they admire or someone that they know well. And how can they do any of those things if you're hiding who you really are? Yeah. And so, you know, for me, I'm a new mom. And so you guys should all look forward to all of my new mom fails as I, as I post them across the web, you know, but it's, uh, you know, being a mom now is part of who I am and being an entrepreneur and loving shoes and yoga and, you know, finding frustration with economic disparity around the world. And, and people do know bits and pieces about me because of social media. So I, I just really think it's an extension of me. And, um, you, you, the more authentic you are, the more likely you're going to be to attract people that want to do business with you for that reason. So don't ever pretend. Zach, before you start, Sarah, I wanted to ask you a little bit about what it's like to be a new mom running a brokerage. Um, well, you know, I, Zach's, we, Zach, are you laughing? Zach, Zach's <laughs> yeah, laughing. she doesn't know yet. <laughs> so, yeah. So we left for Ethiopia on August, uh, I think on August 2nd. And, yeah. and the plan was to be gone for four to six weeks. We, we got lucky and things moved a lot faster. So we got, we got home after just two weeks. But fortunately, I, you know, I put the right people in charge when I left, because even coming back, I don't have a pile of work. I don't have people coming to me and bugging me and saying, you know, oh, congratulations, you've been a mom for eight days now. I need this from you. Um, so really, it's just trusting the people around you that they're going to do a good job of running the show uh, while you're gone. And that is exactly what happened. And then I'm easing back into it. You know, I was at the office for you know three or four hours today, and I'll do the same tomorrow. And it's not an overnight light switch thing. And you know, I, I think I have mom brain. I speak in partial sentences and, you know, uh, yeah. So I'm figuring that part out for sure. And in the meantime, just trusting everybody around me to do a good job. Like Zach, your, Zach your, your daughter great. is beautiful by the way. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. She's, yeah. she's just gorgeous. I can't Thank wait you. to meet her in person. All right. So Zach, let's uh, back to social media. I All mean, right, I know yeah. about your daughter because of social. I mean, I know because you told me, you know, when you were going through this process, but social is really powerful to me because I built a relationship in many ways with both of you via social. And then we'd see each other in real life and then it just grew from there. And so to me, it's this amazingly powerful vehicle if used correctly. And then it's sort of like, it's a dud, <laughs> you know, you see those folks that are just posting their, their latest open house and you're like, like who clicks on that? Right. Right. <laughs> oh man. I, I, you know, I have been, it's interesting because I go through spouts of when sometimes I'm very methodical about what I post and who I connect with and, um, you know, the, the approach and, and okay, I'm going to this thing. So I need to connect with these people. But other times I'm just very aware of social. Um, I've picked the things that I like and the things that I was good at. I've never been on Pinterest. I've never, you know, done Snapchat. I've never done some of these other things because it's like, I, I, that's not me. Um, I focused on the few things that I did well and I'm conscious of it. So if I'm somewhere where I see something, I think other people would enjoy, or if it allows me to connect with a past client or another person in the industry, I'm just consciously aware of how those things happen. 
Um, you know, if I see something that reminds me of Seth Price, I'm going to snap a picture of it and I'm going to send it to you. And you do. Um, and, and it's just, I don't know why I'm, it's just, I've kind of trained myself. I'm just wired that way. Um, but it allows for really, really neat interactions and it allows us then to, when we're at a conference and there's a group of 20 people, you know, we make eye contact and we stay aside so that we can go have like a normal conversation, Yeah. you know, and that kind of stuff. Yes, we've met a few times in person, but those relationships just, they solidify in social. And that goes for people in your office, people across the industry, your family, your friends. It's just, um, I don't know. I've just, I mean, I've, I've built a few companies around it. So it's, it's awesome. It seems like a quality over quantity approach. I think so many people got, I'd say tricked into the likes game of like, Hey, let's get as many people to like my page and do whatever, as opposed to going, Hey, these are, these are people on the other end. They're not just, they're not a like that is a human being that I either am interested in or I'm not. And if I'm interested, how do I, how do I provide some value? How do I, how do I say hi? You know, it's like, right. And even those people who, you know, I do have, uh, you know, when I was doing this stuff as the company, or if you're the person who does social media as the company, responding to people with their first name is a very simple thing to do. And it shows that you also have a little bit of a personality. I mean, it, you know, even, even businesses on social, if you choose to do that, which I don't always recommend, but if you choose to do that, I think you can still just by saying, you know, hi, Sarah, here's the answer to your question. It just, it, it, you're easily, easily building relationships through, you know, a couple simple things. Well, Dale Carnegie said this thing when he wrote his book, which is now 75 years old, you know, it's how to win friends and influence people. And he, he said this thing, the greatest sound that a person loves to hear is the sound of their own name. And so you have this, I mean, we don't think about it all the time, but when someone, you go into a party and someone remembers your name or says your name, you're like, Oh, I'm here. I'm like, I'm home. It's okay. Right. It's like cheers. Yeah, exactly. I mean, come on. It's It's so funny. It's so funny that you say that. I was uh, recently at a wedding, which was in the same building that the cheers studio set is. (laughs) And so I walked into the bar and I was like, Oh wow, this is pretty interesting. It's like there was a line out the door to go to this place. Right. Um, So as we wrap up, one of the things that I'm really curious about is, you know, there seems to be a lot of attention on newer brokerage models and also I'd say just newer brokerages. And what advice would you guys give to someone who's just launching their brokerage or, you know, trying to get it off the ground or thinking of doing that? I think for me, the advice that I would give somebody is, you know, under, have a really good understanding of who you are and what you want to be. And is there space for that in your marketplace? Uh, because every market's different. And if, if what you have to offer is not currently being offered in your marketplace, then go there. But if there's already six people that are doing that, then you need a value proposition and a good understanding of what makes you so different that a seventh might be added. And so that's an honest conversation that, you know, you have to have with yourself. So I, I would really encourage people to do that, figure out what is different and is there a fit in the marketplace for that? And would you just do that by 
I mean, I know we can sort of anecdotally do it, but would you do like a whiteboard session and would you do it with someone who's going to be really honest with you? Like, how do you, how do you really facilitate that? Because I think folks have a hard time being honest with themselves. Yeah. I think that anytime you have a sounding board, somebody that you trust, who can listen to and offer up ideas and give you feedback that you're going to be a better person for that. And, uh, everybody should have, you know, that honest person. And, and for me, it was, it was, you know, in a lot of ways, my husband and doing something together, but also, you know, considering going into business with another couple and deciding not to just because of how different our ideal ideologies were, you know, I owe it to myself versus I don't want to be in the sandbox alone. You know, those aren't compatible. So really just understanding, you know, those types of nuances are, are a big deal. So find somebody who's honest and, and think about who you are and whether the market really needs it. Yeah. And Zach? Yeah, I would say a couple things uh, for me is if you're going out on your own or you're starting is look to other industries for inspiration. Mm. Um, I, you know, don't look at what other real estate companies are doing. Figure out who are my ideal clients. And if they are Lexus buyers, then go look at what Lexus is doing. You know, if they are the types that's going to shop at REI, go see what REI is doing um, and go from there. Um, because I think just creating things that resonate with people outside of real estate is really, really powerful. Um, the other thing you mentioned an old book, so I'll, I'll bring up an old book too, Seth, In Search of Excellence. Um, oh, yeah. That's a Tom great Peters one. Talks, yeah, he talks about having a bias for action. And that's something that as you're starting, you've got it. You've just got to do stuff. You can't analyze. You can't, you know, at certain points, you just got to go and get stuff done, whether it's you or whether it's a team of people. Um, you just you can never produce enough content. You can never do enough stuff. It's just, you know, be busy, you know, be active. So awesome. That would be my advice. Awesome. This was really great. Uh, I appreciate your candor. I love chatting with both of you. Can't wait to see you in person again. Um, what's the best way for folks to find out more about you and Bamboo? Uh, you can search for us online. Um, our website is Bamboo Agents in the plural, bambooagents.com. And of course, we're also on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, those are my two favorite social media channels, Facebook and Twitter. Awesome. Yep. You can Google Zach Shabbat. You can find me. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Have a great, great day. Thank you, Seth. Thanks for listening to the Marketing Genius Podcast. If you like what you've heard, be sure to write us a review on the iTunes Store. For our full episode archive and access to exclusive bonus content, visit us online at playster.com slash podcast. If you have feedback about Marketing Genius or want to suggest topics and guests for future shows, drop us a line at podcast at playster.com. Don't settle for mediocre marketing. Become a marketing genius and start growing your real estate business online. The Marketing Genius Podcast is brought to you by Playster, the digital marketing platform for real estate professionals, brands, and organizations of all kinds. With beautiful websites, lead management tools, marketing automation, and an academy featuring the latest tools and tips, Playster offers real estate professionals everything they need to succeed online. Learn more at Playster.com.